Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Easy Conversations podcast, a podcast about having easy conversations. I'm your host, Furkan Dandia. In this week's episode, I was delighted to host Matt Boudreau. As a keynote speaker, consultant, and coach to organizations worldwide, Matt's clients have ranged from Wells Fargo, Honeywell, and Lockheed Martin to American Eagle, Cedar Sinai, and the United States Air Force. Matt has a reputation as a provocative thought leader in educational and personal development practices. He is a two-time featured TEDx speaker, and he was named Corporate Trainer of the Year at Stanford University, having spoken to over 250,000 people across the world. In 2017, Matt founded Acton Academy Placer Schools, schools that utilize the Socratic method with an emphasis on self-direction and cultivating confident, independent young people with a strong sense of character and personal responsibility. He has since helped to open multiple campuses around the world. Pulling from his experience in the Acton model, in January of 2021, Matt co-founded Apogee Strong with Tim Kennedy, a mentorship program designed for young men from 12 to 22 to take on challenges presented by men who have come before them to learn to lead. Through mentorship, action, and self-discovery, it is a rite of passage so young men can become true leaders. This has blossomed into a mission to bring back classic masculinity in the home and field the Apogee Strong Dads program launch in 2023. His podcast, The Essential 11, is also geared towards emerging leaders, garnering advice from the world's leaders in business, sports, music, and entertainment. Last but certainly not least, Matt is the founder of the Apogee Strong Foundation, a 501c3 that provides scholarships for school, experience, camp, and leadership opportunity for young men worldwide. In this episode, Matt shares his journey through the schooling system and ending what he noticed was wrong with schools. Matt and I talk about some of the challenges in the education system and what parents can do to more, have more of an influence on their children's education. We also discuss our personal experiences and why speaking up against the system is hard for teachers. Please find Matt online and on Instagram at Matt Boudreaux and at Apogee Program and on his websites www.apogeestrongdads.com, www.apogeestrong.com and finally www.apogeestrongfoundation.org. I really hope you get a lot out of this episode. And if at the end, if you could leave a five-star review, I would truly appreciate it. All right, Matt, welcome to the Easy Conversations podcast. Thank you for joining me this morning. I really appreciate you taking the time. I know you've got a busy, busy schedule, but uh, very honored to have you on here. And uh have this conversation with you and we've been able to connect in the past here a little bit so i uh, really i'm really inspired by the work you're doing and your mission so i just wanted to take that opportunity to have that conversation with you today to understand a little bit more about what your inspiration is and what allowed you to to start uh the apogee program and offer that to children as well as adults to help them mentor so um, but before we jump into that, I, I wanted to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself and let the listeners know who you are and, and what it is that you do. 
Thanks, man. I appreciate that. The honor is the honor is absolutely mine. Uh, anytime I get to connect with with good humans and talk about my favorite things, it's a it's a good day, man. So I'm I'm very grateful. I'm very thankful. So um, from a very high level, and, and glad to go anywhere and everywhere you know within this. Uh, I I tell people I'm an educator. Um, I'm no longer a teacher. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and uh, I say that because I came out of of schools. I grew up in the the normal K through twelve system, right? That we're all familiar with and um, played that game really, really well and, and got my straight A's and got my straight A's in college and and did all the things that I was quote unquote supposed to do and then graduated and went, oh my gosh, who am I? What do I have to offer the world? Right. I know how to play school, but I don't know how to do anything else. Um, and so, you know, bounced around and had kind of the the standard now I'm in my twenties trying to figure out my life sort of, you know, sort of story. Uh, eventually landed at Stanford University, where I got to see some of the why behind the game, right from mm-hmm. from the other side. Uh, so I was at Stanford for a little while, uh, naively wanted to try to fix the game of school. So I became a public school teacher, public school administrator, private school teacher, private school educator, um, which is when I left to open schools of my own. Right. Uh, because I think that's really where I moved into that educator role because I no longer was following a script. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm not knocking teachers. So many good human beings who are teachers and administrators, I love them. I support them. Right. Uh, really, it was like, okay, I don't want to follow this script anymore. I want to help people unlock their potential to write their own script. So mm-hmm. I started a number of school campuses uh, in California that were very, very different than the conveyor belt programs. Uh, I've since got to help launch hundreds of these around the world. Um, And then my friend, Tim Kennedy, who a lot of the listeners may know who Tim is, he and I decided to take it a step further. You know, I opened a campus for him in Cedar Park and we said, hey, we're, we're hitting a population and that's great of young heroes, K through 12, young men, young women, but there's gaps. We think there needs be uh, bringing something to bring back the rite of passage of good men pouring into young men. So we developed this mentorship program for young men called Apogee Strong. And then we went, okay, there are also some great families who can't afford the schools we're building, but they also want to leave the conveyor belt system. So we started educating modern day heroes to help them learn how to home educate at a high level. Mm -hmm. And then we're we're hearing from from men that are going, oh my God, okay, I want to do this for my kids, but I'm struggling to lead you know, right. from home, I, I grew up as I'm a perpetual boy. So, yeah. we're like, okay, now we're building the, the men's program for, you know, for the dads too. So all of this is getting back to uh, really what education should be for, which is sovereignty and freedom. And we want to help people get there no matter where they are now. Right, right. And thank you for sharing all that. And, and sure. again, lots of amazing work you've been able to do. And I, I guess when you t- talk about changing the script, what were you seeing in, in this script that was not sitting well or, you know, yeah. probably not a, you, something that you were agreeing with? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And so speaking about it from a, you know, schooling context, um, you know, I grew up believing what everybody else believed. Like you, you get your good grades and then you go to college. And then when you're in college, you get your good grades and that's automatically going to get you this great job. And then you're going to be happy. You're going to be successful. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I did all those things and came out and I actually turned down a job at the White House right before graduating. Um, but then I walked into the world going, shoot, I know nothing. Yeah. I don't have like it didn't work. And I got debt. Yeah, but I don't have much else. Right. So 
that in and of itself was going, I was going, okay. And I started unraveling the the thought that I understood the game of school because I always got my straight A's, but I didn't consider myself uber intelligent. I just knew how to play the school game. Right. And that didn't serve me well, you know? And so I was seeing that. Then I'm at Stanford and I'm seeing that the whole process of admissions is not exactly the meritocracy that everybody says that it is. Right. There's an element of a game being played there too. I'm like, okay, well, that's not something we talk about. Then I go into the public school system and I know I'm helping the young heroes that I'm serving, but these guys are growing up in a gangland environment in California and I'm being told they need algebra to get out of it. And I'm like, no, they need something else right now. Right. right? And so I'm starting to see the game of how schools get funded and the whole thing there. So I start going down the rabbit hole of well, why do we do school this way? Where did that model come from? Mm-hmm. As soon as I let myself be open to that conversation and saw where it really came from, I went, oh my gosh, this has nothing, nothing to do with child development. This has nothing to do with unlocking the genius inside of people. This has everything to do with control, money, power, politics, mm-hmm. slavery from a mental standpoint. Um, and that really started the ball turning because to me, my integrity is too important. I couldn't keep doing something that I thought was actually going against kids. And hey, by the way, now I have my own. I'm not right. putting. I'm not putting them in that system. I've got to figure out a solution. It's not. I'm not about complaining. If something is worth complaining about, it's worth finding a solution for. So I had to find a solution. Right. Right. And I mean, there's a few things that you've touched on there, and I want to unpack them one at a time. But uh, starting with the whole notion what I can relate to you know myself when I did my undergrad in engineering I came out not having a lot of life skills right Right. kind of got thrown out of university into the real world and I didn't really know how to fit in and I also didn't have the practical skills Uh, I mean I, I you know reiterate a lot of stuff from a textbook but I didn't have the practical skills to to go out and, and do well which I had to learn kind of on the job so I could see, you know, what you're pointing at, that in the education system, you're not really being equipped to go out into the real world and function as a human, right? Um, yeah. Well, and not just not being equipped, you're actually being conditioned right. to go the opposite way. See right. that? And that, that's, it's an even more dangerous thing, I believe, than, than most people will even give it credit for. You're being conditioned to blind obedience. You've been conditioned to handing the pen over for somebody else to write the script, even if they write you as a background actor in your own life. Right, right. Me, that's even more dangerous than just not being given the tools. It's giving, you know, it's been, uh, it's given a mindset that you almost uh, never break out of. Right, right. Yeah, and that kind of leads to the whole notion of you end up, and in Canada, I mean, it's getting there, but the, the education system, obviously not as, um, expensive compared to the U S but, you know, even for yourself to go to Stanford, I, I can only imagine what the, the student loans would have been like, but so, so you're coming out, as you say, you're conditioned, um, you're working for someone else and then you've got this debt you have to pay off. Right. So you're like, your mindset is, oh, I have to keep working and then you become conditioned in this environment where you're not really thinking for yourself. Mm-hmm. You're just thinking about all these obligations. And one of the things I've realized also is that society also programs you a certain way that, oh, 
you should get a mortgage or you should get this car. So you're constantly paying this debt off and the only way to do it is keep working. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. That's the system, right? And you're not taught how to get out of that. You're not taught again. I, I, the, the question that I always pose to people that you're not po even as you go through and get a credential, I'm speaking from experience of being a yep. credentialed teacher, right? You're not taught to ask what should education be for? Right. And we end up confusing education with schooling. Schooling is a series of boxes that you check off saying everybody does the same thing, same time, you know, and it's, it's all education is wildly personal. My educate, what I need for my day-to-day -day life right now is drastically different than what you need. Are there some things that, that cross over? Of course, right. we need to understand interpersonal relationships. We need to understand communication. You and I are both communicating with people. You and I are both moving things forward, but do you live on a farm? No. Okay. Well, I do. So shoot, if a tree falls down on my electric fence, I need to be educated enough to go fix that problem. Right. Right. You have things that you come across as an engineer that I have no clue how to do, nor do I necessarily need to know how to do it. Right. Education is wildly personal. And ultimately, it should be geared towards exactly what you said. Let's get somebody the ability to be free, to be sovereign to do the things they want to do with the people they want to do it with without having to answer to other people without harming other people in the process of that right and you're not taught that you're taught how to go into this system of slavery yeah yeah and and i mean the other thing you touched on there too is the the aspect of interpersonal skills that people don't really rec recognize or or learn and then we just almost start functioning as robots right like i think communication is lacking like i i see it in the job i see it out in society where people just you know they struggle to communicate through conflict through emotions and mm -hmm. and then we just end up just closing ourselves off from each other that's exactly right it's the whoever is the loudest and most victimized wins Right. Those become the virtues that, that we value. And that's a dangerous spot to be. Civil discourse um, is something we've almost eradicated because of that. We, we have learned to put emotions on a pedestal. So since we do that, we, we get into this state of emotional frenzy quickly. We look for who is, you know, completely on my team and who is the who is the enemy? Who is the other side? And we're going to go to combat now, you know, and versus the reality of the you know, there's 8 billion people on this planet and you probably won't find one that agrees with you on every single thing forever. Yeah. So what? are you just isolated from everybody now? No, you talk through it. You work through it. You go, look, here's my evidence. Right. What's your interesting. Cool. I'm willing to now change my mind because your evidence was better or I still feel like my evidence is stronger, but I understand your perspective. Now we're going to go ahead and disagree on this. Let's find all the places we agree. We can move forward as friends, right? right. Like that's the way it should be. Um, yeah. But we are taught that it is not. Uh, right. Everybody's detriment. Yeah. And I mean, the other piece to, to that point too, is finding, as you mentioned, some common ground, but at the same time, using that as an opportunity to learn from each other. Right. right and not being stuck on our own views and opinions, like even through this conversation, uh, you know, I'm learning something and I hope you sure. will too, right? And Absolutely. we can both walk away from it. Um, and even if we don't agree on everything, that's not the point. It's not the point. 
And that's what we've come to, to believe is the point is that somebody you're trying to win every conversation yep. versus having a conversation. Those are Absolutely. not the same. Those are not the same things. Right. Right. The other thing you touched on was, uh, or we kind of touched on briefly was the whole cost of education. Right. Mm -hmm. And with some of the programs you've been a part of, has then that been a focus to not put a lot of burden on people to just go and get out and get an education because that financial burden is significant, mm -hmm. right? Which often prevents people from seeking an education or as we talked about, it puts them in such a huge debt that they're just chasing uh, or you know, running that in the wheel trying to pay that off. Yeah, that's a huge, it's a huge part because the reality is, again, if we get back to what is an education, what should education be for? We are fortunate enough now to live in a time where if, if you have access to the internet and you have a library card, well, guess what? You've got all information available to you. Right. So we're not at an information deficit. We're at a desire deficit and we're at a deficit of understanding what an education actually looks like. So as we, you know, take a look at um, things like our home education program, you, people are, you come in, there's a one-time, uh, there's a one-time cost. that's less than, you know, most monthly tuitions at a private school and, and you're done in perpetuity. You are being guided through. I am with that crew every day, every week we have, you know, Q and A for two hours every day. I'm posting something there for them because these families are learning how to educate at a very high level mm -hmm. uh, for for the cost of maybe a month of private school tuition forever. Right. You know, because because the information is there. Again, it's just the the transition of the mindset is what needs to happen. Right. And as soon as that happens, the whole goal is that eventually, not because I don't want them, but eventually they don't need me because they realize they're in control of that. Now I want the relationship to maintain and, and I want to be able to pour into them as long as they find value in that. But I'm not going to pretend like, Hey, you need me, pay me more and more money. That's not what an educator does. Right. It's just like from a parent standpoint, yep. you want to raise your young heroes in a way that eventually they don't need you to go thrive in the world. You're right. not needed. You're desired in terms of a relationship, but you're no longer needed, right? A good educator does the same thing. A good uh, pastor or priest or imam or whatever will do the same thing. A good uh, doctor will do the same thing, mm -hmm. right? You, you make it to where a person doesn't need you anymore. They have the ability to not just retain the information that you have helped them get, but to get their own information at that point. That's what, you know, when you really want people to get to freedom and sovereignty, you want them to have that ability. Yeah. Well, and I think that's, Another cultural or societal issue that, you know, that it's very manipulative or, or often people are operating from a scarcity mindset where it's like, well, if I'm going to share information, I have to give them a little bit so they keep coming back for more. And that I struggle with that because, right, knowledge is something we should be sharing with each other and helping each other through, uh, as you mentioned, good imams, good priests, pastors, or doctors, if they have that knowledge, it's almost their responsibility to share it. Right. And that's, you know, when I look back at our hundreds of years ago, that's what was happening as society. We were trying to 
improve everyone's lives by sharing that knowledge. And, and I think we've stepped away from that where everything's almost about the financial gain. It, it absolutely is. And I, it, you're absolutely right, man. And, and I don't want to confuse that with, you know, the, um, you know, I don't have an anti-capitalist view where you should never right. paid for your services, right? That's never the case. And I, th I think there is value in um, going, hey, okay, this is my business models. I'm going mm -hmm. to help you here. But I think the integrity comes yep. in when, again, you're not saying, and by the way, you need me forever, right? That's where it's like, nah, dude, no, that I just, I can't get on board with that. Yeah. I can't get on board with that. You know, if Absolutely. You're, a good, if you're a good coach or a good human, you want people, again, to move towards that area of not needing you anymore. Right. Right. Yeah. Thank you for differentiating that too. And the, the other piece we touched on or you touched on was the merit aspect, right? And what you noticed in Stanford that it was missing. Mm -hmm. So what about it was missing and, and where was like, you think about, you know, in a school like Stanford, where was the shift happening there? What were they focusing on? And, and oh. Yeah. And, it's, and that's a great question, man. And it's the, there's an illusion. There's this illusion of the quote unquote elite schools and there's an illusion of you need college uh, in order to be successful. Or there's all these things that we just kind of have in our minds a lot of times culturally as just staples of fact when mm -hmm. really inviting people to to explore that. Is, is there an elite uh, set of schools uh, or is it just because you've been told that that brand is is more elite? What makes them elite because they get more money because they have well, you know more publishing what so right so even when we're talking about the meritocracy part of it right what you're told is you get good grades you do a lot of great extracurriculars you get good sats and then you get into school yeah well what if i told you there's also an element of you could be one you know have a 1.7 gpa and be out on probation but if your dad's really famous and he's going to donate guess what you're the first one into stanford right Right. Is that fair? Is that meritocracy? Well, that's part of, that's a little bit of a game. And then what if I told you the next level down is, um, you know, taking a look at, well, what is our need? Again, this person's not necessarily a good human. They don't necessarily have good grades. They didn't even take the SATs, but they're a good point guard. We need them. Okay. Well, somebody else loses a spot. What if I go, Hey, this year, guess what? By the way, um, we need less white women. Yeah. Um, we need more Asian men. We need more because that's part of the game. So right. we're, what point do we get to the meritocracy that we're sold versus the way things are actually playing? And oh, by the way, in order to keep up the myth of being this quote unquote elite university, doesn't matter how many applications we get, we can't take more than 5% of them because otherwise the US News and World Report will drop our ranking from the eliteness because we take in too many people, right? So, right. you know, it's a just those elements alone are enough to let us go, hmm, okay, well, what are we being sold versus the reality? And again, I'm all for people making their own decisions. I don't care. Go to Stanford. Don't go to Stanford. I don't care. Make your own decision, but at least know what you're actually deciding and why right. you're deciding. Right? That's the problem. It's that. It's people don't really know what they're actually choosing between they're just going along with the status quo. They're just going along with that's this is the flow of everything. Only only dead fish go always go with the flow. Right. Uh, you're just so that's what I uh, that's what I talk against. For sure. And and I think that also becomes a perpetual issue because because that school has that elite name to it, 
And if it's on someone's resume, they're automatically getting hired, right? Because a lot of companies or corporations are just seeking the school, right? Not necessarily the person. And now you're carrying that into the corporations and that whole model is being pushed further out into society. And so, so the good and the bad on that is that that has statistically been true for a while, but it's not necessarily even the truth anymore. So a lot of, one of the things we didn't um, touch on, but it, it's relevant to this point of the conversation is as I was building out these schools, uh, I wasn't taking any money from this to feed my family. I actually organically and, and really without trying, it, it spurred um, a public speaking career, you know, where I've been on stages now and, and spoken to almost half a million people yeah. around the world. And, and a lot of these are giant fortune 500 companies. And the biggest reason they're bringing me in is the biggest companies in the world and yeah. they're going, Hey, we're hiring all these people and we're hiring based on what you just said. And we're going, these, they come from the quote unquote elite schools. They sh they're really smart. They suck. We want to get rid of all of them because they're really good at school, but nothing else. Right. Like, what do we do, right? So there's a lot of companies that are changing their tune on this too. Um, and we've proven it even with the schools that I built, right? That that's no longer the deciding factor more often than not. Uh, if right. you can show that you've got the right set of values, characteristics, moral skills, abilities, the right network, um, and you can do all of these things without a formal college education, uh, man, you're able to go pretty much anywhere and everywhere that you want to go for the most part. It's very rare that you can't. People always go, well, if you want to be a doctor, if you want to be a lawyer, if you want, well, hey, guess what? You can actually be a lawyer without even taking the LSAT. So there is a way to do that. But um, yes, if you want to be a doctor from a legal standpoint, yes, you've got to go through this process, go to medical school. And I would even argue there that um, there's a level of, of idiocracy. If you know you're going to be a doctor, why do you have to take, you know, 18th century women's, like you're still getting screwed in terms of some of the things you have to take right right, and, you know, right. Um, but again look at the percentage of people that are going to school the vast majority aren't going for a, a degree like that that requires some sort of legal uh, tie to that degree so can you get that education the actual education not the school degree not the diploma not the you know the credits but the actual education can mm -hmm. you get that and those skills another way, often for free, show somebody else that you have it and get hired because of it, you can. Mm. It's the desire that's lacking, not right. the avenues to make it happen. For sure. For sure. Yeah. No, uh, thank you for building on that. And the other piece also, what I've heard, and I don't know how accurate this is, so I just want to test it out with you as well, is a lot of the schools are hiring more administrative staff, which is preventing them from having enough educators, as we've talked about. Is that something you've also experienced and noticed? And why is that happening then, if that's the case? Yeah, and I'm assuming you're talking about like the K through 12 kind of conveyor yeah. belt sort of schooling. Yeah, I mean, that's the entire, the entire system needs to be scrapped from the get-go. It is designed to people say, well, the entire thing is failing. No, it's doing exactly what it is designed to do. Right. It's not failing. It is failing us because it's designed to fail us. So yeah, I mean, a lot of schools will, will tack on more, you know, administrators will spend more money because they're getting more money from 
the government. And, and so they've got to find a way to spend the money somehow. So, well, man, let's add an extra administrator so that we can then, you know, say we're going to do some sort of school improvement plan or they're going to come in and be the real, you know, the disciplinary or whatever. But it's the whole thing is an exercise in futility because we're not addressing the root of the actual issues. The schools we built, we could get the cost per learner. Mm-hmm. This isn't necessarily the tuition. But the cost per learner, we can get it down to like a thousand, fifteen hundred bucks per learner per year. Well, a lot of our conveyor belt schools are spending ten grand, right? Right, and they understand that uh, they can put all of these uh, fancy things in place and and earn themselves even more money for the state because they can tie it back to improved performance which just means we tie it back to better you know hopefully better test scores it can get us more money it's this whole cycle it's a silly game to even play so there's no it's um almost like trying to rationalize you know something that that the flintstones do in in the cartoon or something because it's not real so i don't even try to pretend that there's a rational way that we should even try to like get into this imaginary world of "Hmm, maybe this is why or maybe this is why the whole thing's a hot mess right Right. And then building on that. So, you know, I've started noticing a lot of parents are pulling their kids out of the public school system and trying to homeschool them. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are your thoughts on that? And and I know you touched on it earlier too, like to be able to have more of an influence on your child's education and also being able to share your own values with, with so where I'm going with this is I'm also seeing like, because your, your kids are being indoctrinated in the public school system. They're often missing out on some of the values you may have wanted to give them. Right. And, um, growing up, I felt like there was a bit for me, at least there was more of an influence from my parents, but I feel like that's being taken away more and more, especially with now if parents, both parents are working, right. In my case, my mom would stay at home. So she had a huge influence on us. Um, but yeah, that's kind of diminishing at least from what i've been observing yeah you're right and, and i'm thankful that so many people are are deciding to pull and i know in the u.s we just hit over the it's like over the five million mark first time that's ever um been the case since school has become this public entity um, that we've had that many young people who are being home educated right and, and so um i i think it is it's a step in the right direction one of the things that i see and i want to touch on the values part that you talked about there but one of the things that i see um, that I always encourage parents against is, is I always tell them don't homeschool, home educate, because homeschool a lot of times what they'll do is they grew up in the same right. system, right? So they try to go home and they just simply recreate it. And yep. the way I always frame it to just get people to think and go, man, if you were born just because you're born into a cult, once you realize there is a cult that you are in and you go, man, I have got to get out of this and you get your family out of there and you escape the cult, right? And you go find... Um, refuge somewhere else, you don't start rebuilding the cult right there in your own home. Right. You left it for a reason. Mm-hmm. But what happens is parents leave the schooling system and then they start trying to recreate the schooling system at home. And so you lose some of the efficacy there too, right? So that's yeah. why I, you know, I say the program, a lot of it for what we do as far as what we developed is a mindset shift. But then you do also get to impart those values. And it's not just the idea that we should be able to impart our own values on our own children, which somehow now is like a, this radical idea. Um, and you're like some sort of extremist or a terrorist that you want to impart your veil, you know, your, your family values on your own children. Um, but 
it's not just it's the addition by subtraction too. you're also not exposing them to the ideologies and values that show up in school. And it's not just the agendas that are showing up. You know, people talk to the the various agendas that they're seeing play out at, at the, the public school level. And I, and I think there are some things that are very dangerous there for sure. But what about the agenda of just the design itself of the be quiet, don't speak unless spoken to, raise your hand to ask another human being if you can go to the bathroom and they might tell you no, right? It's 12 years of learning obedience, 12 years of learning apathy, 12 years of like, man, I'm bored. So I'm really just going to go, who can I listen to over here? And maybe I'll listen to this kid who, who knows what background he's coming from and, right. and what he's showing me and teaching me. And this is my now learning. And I've got people having sex in the bathroom and I got people doing drugs in the bathroom. And I got, yep. you're also avoiding that. And this isn't a conversation around sheltering yeah. and desire to shelter. Right. But the whole concept of, well, yeah, you got to put them in there so they can learn that the world's kind of tough. That's, that's garbage. If you and I want to go level up in terms of business or relationship or whatever, right? Do we go, all right, man, well, I got to schedule a day in prison so that I can see that there's bad people here. And if I know that there's bad people and I see what the bad people do now, my life is going to be better. No, you go find the people who are leveling up. Right. So the opportunity of taking your kids home isn't to shelter them. It's to show them nothing but greatness show them good things, give them amazing experiences that they can truly learn from. And by that, I don't mean take them to Disney World. I mean, let them fail. Let them try things. Let them start a business that doesn't work out. Let yeah. them struggle. Let them get involved into some other you know, martial arts or sports or whatever that is so that as they get older and that becomes the norm for them is to strive for greatness and to be resilient and to be able to operate out of character and values and in civil discourse that when they see something that goes outside of that, it's not alarming. They just go, oh man, that's too bad. I have no desire. Yeah. Yeah. Right? See the silliness for what it is. For sure. That's the difference. Yeah. Yeah. And the other piece I wanted to add there and again, get your thoughts on is a lot of the educators in the public school system have a very cookie cutter approach and they're not often aware of different modalities that can be used especially depending on the needs of the student. And I'm using a personal example here too, because I, what would be described in today's world had ADHD where I needed to be constantly challenged and stimulated. And in today's education system, I would have been put on medication because I was constantly seeking new ways of challenging myself. And as an adult, I've been able to figure out that, well, I need to be taking on new things and always stimulating myself in yeah. that sense where I'm trying to learn something new every six months, which keeps me focused. Mm -hmm. But what I'm fearful of is today's kids are being, being put on medications and that's impacting right. them and their future. Right. And, and that is another problem that I see. And often parents are at the mercy of the system. Uh, and you know, I don't want to get into some other stuff, but you know, if parents don't comply, then that's almost like considered child abuse that you're not looking out for the welfare of your child. You must do what the teacher is saying or what the, the, the school is saying. Yeah. And at what point did that become the rational thought that you need to outsource to the government? What is the right thing for your family and your child? And, and if you go against them, that's abusive, right? We yeah. should stop and think about that. And, and, you know, 
what you said too is is something about the teachers not um, you know, understanding the various modalities and all that. Sometimes they're, to be honest, sometimes they do understand it and they just can't do anything about it. Mm. That's part of learning to perpetuate the system. And I talked to, I talked to it right before you and I got on this podcast today. Um, I had somebody reach out on social media who's a, who's a teacher and I don't know this person. I get this daily, daily, yeah. multiple times a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. I have teachers and administrators who reach out and they go, I agree with you. I'm in the system. What do I do? Yeah. Right? Because the reality is there are so many good humans who want to do right by the kids and they're just handcuffed because mm -hmm. your job is to perpetuate the system. It's not to educate children. It's right. to perpetuate the system of schooling, you know, and so it's hard. And so then, but then you do have others who are in there who have bought it lock, step and barrel and they're going, oh, this five-year-old little boy doesn't want to sit down and be quiet when I want him to. I'm going to tell his parents because I'm the teacher, I'm the authority, I've been trained, I went to school for this. Um, yes, that, you know, he has a methamphetamine deficiency. We must get him uh, on some of this, you know, as quickly as humanly possible to get him to focus, meaning make my job easier. Right. And it's a scary freaking proposition that people actually listen to. Yeah, yeah. And I think on that too, even if the teacher doesn't necessarily agree with that approach, they have to maintain a certain level of focus for the entire class, right? And one child that's potentially disruptive is causing issues too, right? And um, and part of it too, I, I did another episode with a behavioral psychologist last week, and we talked about this whole groupthink bias and the challenges right now people are experiencing even speaking up against the system, right? You could either get canceled, you could lose your job and the, the consequences of whistleblowing are so significant today that you're almost incentivized not to speak up, right? That's right. It's very 1984 Orwellian, you know, situations out there when you're going against some of these bigger systems. You know, we talked about it more recently, obviously, culturally from a, a medical standpoint with everything mm -hmm. that's been going on since 2020. But um, what we have to understand is it's the same thing in, in the schools. Uh, it's very much the same thing, which is why I refer to the two schools as a religion, because um, it's very much like that. And by the way, this has always happened in religions, too. And you start to yeah. question right, um, any of your religious and not even in a bad way, not in an offensive way, not in a combative way. You just start to go, right. hmm, OK, what about this? This doesn't make sense to me. And it's like, well, surely you're going down the wrong path. Right. And we either need to fix you quickly or you need to go away, you know. Right. And, and we're doing that from a societal level. It's a dangerous spot to be, man. Yeah, yeah. And and again, if, if you don't comply, you get ostracized. Yes, sir. And, and then, you know, I think even from a, you think about it from a psychological perspective too, there as social beings, we have this, this desire for connection and being part of a tribe. So if speaking out gets you kicked out of the tribe, you're not going to do it, right? You still want to be connected. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I do want to shift gears a little bit and perhaps talk through some of the programs you've been building and what is, I know you touched on it a little bit, but what, you know, like even with the children, first of all, like, what are you offering that's different from the current system that we see and, and how are you enabling parents to be able to support their children through that? That's a really great question, man. Thank you for asking that. So, um, and I'll touch on the various 
just the various components and then we can go deeper on any of them that um, that you want to so you know we have a few different programs here one being the home education piece um, and so from a home education piece from a very high level what we'll do is we'll send out resources every single month and when we say resources it's not worksheets and you know we don't subscribe to the whole grades and grade level and and you got to do certain things certain times what we'll do is we'll take a focus mm-hmm. um, you know we'll take entrepreneurship or um, financial literacy or behavioral economics or physiology or chess or survival or whatever. We'll take these, yeah. uh, you know, concepts and every month we'll provide resources. And when I say resources, I mean, here are a whole bunch of interesting videos to watch, articles to read, challenging conversations to have, little mini projects and challenges with an overarching, maybe bigger project to tackle at the end of the month. Here are some correlating books or some classics thrown in there as well yep. with again, some engaging conversations to have you actually think through some hard, some hard things from a Socratic standpoint, right? Mm-hmm. We'll send those out every single month for families so that they can go at their own pace, at their own leisure and, and bring that into the home. We focus on those things. Academics, that's easy to get, right? My friend Sal Khan has this thing called Khan Academy that's wildly free. Like you can go through and do all the academics you would ever do at a school for free on that if you want. There's other platforms where you can add, like, fine, we can add all of those things. No, however you want to do that is great. But we focus on those areas that are actually about education and, and making hard decisions and doing, you know, um, doing actual things, experiences. So we'll focus on that and then I'll post something in that regard to our private platform every day, um, whether it's a video of me, whether it's an article, whether it's whatever, to, to spur on conversation for these families. And the families themselves, too. It's not just a family thing. I always tell parents the best way to further your child's education is actually to further your own and right. bring them along with you. Right. So I'm challenging the parents to grow in all of these areas as well, not just right. the kids. So they're growing in those things too. And then we have weekly Q&A. What are you struggling with? How are you doing? What's going on at home? We just have a weekly Q&A where we all come together and we just walk through this, right? So from the edu- home education spot, that's what it looks like. On the mentorship part for young men, that's a very specific 12-month roadmap where they are having suggested uh, readings. Every month is a new project and a new challenge that again is educational. They're interviewing CEOs. They're out um, doing a flip challenge where they're having to flip a paperclip all the way up to you know whatever they can flip. They're out learning how to um, create evacuation plans, to do CPR, to do, they're gaining actual practical skills every month, yep. new project, new challenge. Um, they are taking on recommended readings. They're taking on physical workouts. And they're also getting private videos every single uh, day in our platform. And every week we have a call with them and one of the best men on the planet. Mm-hmm. It might be an actor. It might be an athlete. It might be a Navy SEAL. It might be a billionaire CEO. It might be, it doesn't matter. The through line is they're a successful, good man who is coming on, pouring into them directly, answering their questions, right? Over the course of 12 months, we do the right. same thing with the dads as well. And we will develop um, the program for for the moms and for the young ladies is what's coming next. Okay. So, okay. So that, that answered one of my questions, but why was it important for you or, or you know, your team to focus on mentoring yeah. the, males the, males, the young men and then, and then the fathers? 
Yeah, males first. Part well, part of it is a, is a selfish endeavor. Uh, I grew up as a male. I am a male, um, yeah. and so I can speak much more easily to what it means to grow up. I know what the young men are feeling. You and I both know what it's like to be a twelve year old young man, thirteen year old yeah. young man, fourteen year old young man. We know what we're dealing with with that. We know what the hormones do to us. We know what like we get all of those right. So Tim and I partially knew that, and we partially had a stable of really, really amazing men that we are connected with. Right. So part of it was this just makes more sense. That's why we did them first, not the girls. Now we're, we're partnering with some great women, Katie Wells, Tulsi Gabbard, um, Laura Sextro, some phenomenal women to help us get the, the women's program off the ground, too. We just right. know we're not the ones to lead that because it's got to look different. Um, but then same, you know, at the same time, um, we, we see this this epidemic that is taking place. Right. We've got this. We've got the fatherless home issue, which. You know, depending on who you listen to, it could be 25, 30% of homes without a dad. That's a big issue. Or we have fathers who are in the home, but they're perpetual boys and they're yeah. not, leading, right? To us, those are huge societal issues. So what if we could attack that from both sides? Do we want to help the guys who are at home and help them lead? Of course, we want to help them do that at a higher level, right? So we're going to help them do that. But we also believe very much in the Frederick Douglass quote of, it's easier to raise strong children than it is to fix broken men. So right. what if we go from that bottom side too and help raise the next generation? We actually, it's not an either or, it's a yes and. Yeah. We've got to do both. And so that's why we're tackling those first. Right. Right. Okay. No, and that helps uh, me understand as well. And, and then the other piece around cost, because, you know, based on what you've shared with me in the past, Cost is something I'm assuming you guys focused on as well and, and to make it more accessible. Why was that? I mean, it's obvious, but why was that important to you guys? Yeah, it's this is a mission of going of going wide first, right? We want to make it accessible um, and not just accessible, but repeatable and beneficial to be able to repeat. So when I say that, you know, for our um, for our, so first of all, we have a 501c3, we have a foundation. So anybody listening is like, yeah, I'd love to help out. That's a great thing because it allows us to scholarship young men and, and give them all these opportunities where some, sometimes even the young men don't have to pay, you know, anything right. And their families don't have to pay anything as long as they're going to get in there and get after it. And then, oh, by the way, at the end of the 12 months, they're invited to stay in perpetuity if they poured into it at no charge. Right. Yeah. Same thing on the dad side. And, and on the dad side, what we want is there's got to be some skin in the game. If there's no skin in the game, people don't step up to the plate. Of course. They just don't. Right. It's, it was given. For, eh, I don't care enough. Right. So there's got to be some skin in the game, but we want it to be accessible. And then we wanted to help ultimately make it to where not only did it not cost you anything, it actually changed everything. And then you made money. So hold on. You got to level up your entire life in every single way. And then you have the opportunity to partner with us in business to bring the same coaching to your hometown. You can make money there too and spread the mission of helping other people. We're serious about the mission itself, right? And so again, we've got to do that from the right way, integrity-wise. Yes, we're going to charge for the services up front, but we're going to help you make that money back in spades while making your life better, while equipping you to push the mission forward and help other people people right like to me that's how that's how an army of really good humans gets built is i think it looks like that and we're not going to have it perfect and there's going to be some areas where we're going to go Ooh, okay we should probably change this and change that that's the nature of the beast that's what education is we're going to learn we're going to get better um you know but uh, 
that's, that's the mission we're on. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the things that often gets missed is the whole notion of paying it forward. Right. And that's what I, I think that's amazing that you guys are also focusing on that. And, and, you know, you touched on the whole helping men become better fathers too, because that's a lot of the times, you know, I look at myself too, but all around me, that's where the boys are missing their fathers, being able to pass that wisdom down. And, and often it's being able to study great men where you can kind of impart that wisdom by learning from history in itself. Right. Exactly what it is. Right. And so there's the whole, there's a, the military, um, kind of adage of, you don't, you don't rise to the occasion. You fall back to the level of your training. Mm -hmm. And what's true for us as, as dads too, right. If we're not being intentional about uh, equipping ourselves and training ourselves and connecting with other good men and learning, like you said, from other great men who have come before us in all these different areas so that we become better, we fall back to the level of our training. And that usually means we're just going to repeat kind of the way we were brought up. And that doesn't necessarily even mean it's a bad thing. You might've been brought up by a phenomenal father and that's great. You got an advantage there. Fantastic. But you should still objectively try to take a look and go, okay, cool. But where can I even do this better? Yeah. Why not? Perfection is not possible, but the pursuit of perfection is possible. Absolutely. Why not not keep that as the standard and and give it a shot, you know? And so um, that's the way we're taking, we're taking a look at this. And and I get the question a lot from, from dads who will be like, okay, well, what is, what's the best parenting book out there? And I think that's the wrong question. I think the question is what, you know, what are the, who are the men that I can study, whether that's through a book, through conversations, through network, whatever, um, that will make me a better human being in all the ways that I can be a better human being. Cause mm-hmm. it's that you inherently become a better father. Right. Right. At the same time. Yeah. And yeah. And I think it goes beyond knowledge too, right? It's certain lifestyle choices you make that you can also role model for your children, right? Whether it's yeah. being disciplined, whether it's showing compassion and respect to other people and, those are the skills that children are absorbing and looking to their parents for, right? And very that, much, so. yeah, yeah, very much so. You're always the primary educator in their lives. You know, I always tell people, you are. They are going to do what you do before they do what you say. Mm-hmm. So you better make sure what you're doing is who you want them to be. Right, right. And I think a lot of the that's the biggest thing I try to share with people too, uh, especially as fathers is. If you're going to say something and then you go do the opposite, which has been kind of the model, you're confusing the children, right? And then not only are you confusing them, they're, you're making them question your authority. You're making them not trust you because Bingo. children are smart. They pick up on the inconsistencies, yeah. right? And, and right. to have that from the ground level up, I think it's amazing that you guys have focused on the, the parental side of it too. You're man, you're spot on, especially on the trust side, even if they don't consciously understand subconsciously, there is a, uh, there is a recognition of hypocrisy that takes place. Right. And they'll, they'll understand it maybe later if they go back and view it, um, you know, they'll understand the hypocrisy for what it is, but even subconsciously at a young level, they go, man, that just does not, that does not compute. And the level of trust decreases, uh, in accordance with that understanding too. So yeah, what you said is spot on wildly important. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I, I have a lot of thoughts on the hypocrisy side too, but from a faith perspective too, but, sure. uh, it's probably, a, sorry. 
I said, sure. Yeah, you're not. I agree. I'm with you on that. Yeah, yeah. But probably a conversation for another day. But Matt, um, want to be mindful of your time too. But thank you again for coming on here and having this conversation with me, uh, sharing your story. Uh, I do have one more question for you before I give you an opportunity to share ways of how people can find you and learn more about your programs. But living on a farm, is that hmm. out of choice or or necessity? Yes. It's a yes and, right? It's a yes and. Um, yeah, that it's, you know, I grew up as a city kid in the Bay Area, you yeah. know, California, and my wife did too, you know, and, and we slowly kind of saw ourselves, gra you know, gravitating. We went outside the Bay. We were in Sacramento, still in the city. Um, and then we slowly got into kind of this smaller ranch town in California. And, and my wife is very much a farmer at heart. So this has always kind of been, you know, her dream, but um, it, it's a little bit of both. We had the opportunity to, to get a fantastic, already functional working farm uh, that we could take on. It was a bigger challenge for us as a family. It was something our young, our young kids being home educated could dive into and, and really, you know, up their game and up their responsibility. So it was a great opportunity there. Um, and then it also goes back to that whole concept of, of freedom and sovereignty, you know, and, and whether the world goes crazy or the weather the world doesn't i don't think it's um, a bad thing to be as self-sustaining as you can i think that's right. a an ultimate you know ultimately that's the education we're all looking for and so that was really the intent um behind it it was a yes and for us for sure yeah yeah and the reason why i ask is that when i moved out to western canada uh, i was fortunate enough to meet people from various backgrounds but the ones i felt I connected with the most was the kids that grew up on farms, mainly because of their values and work ethic. And I always sure. admired that. So that was kind yes, of, <laughs> best, man. I mean, it's the best work ethic is not like there are things, there are responsibilities that just need to get the animals. Don't care if you're sick or if you don't feel like it, or if they don't, you know, um, <laughs> again, if a tree falls on the fence, well, that's great. It doesn't matter if you had other things planned today, you're chopping up a tree and you're fixing a fence. Um, it's what you're doing, you know? And yeah. so there's, there's a lot of really good life lessons there too. And so I'm, I'm extraordinarily grateful and, and I have people have said, oh, it must be nice to live on a farm. It is nice. It's very nice. I also was homeless, um, yeah. you know, many years ago. And I also have had the experience of having zero money in the bank account. So, um, it is nice, but partially it's nice because we worked really, really hard to get to the point where we have it. And we still work really hard to try to help other people have the opportunity to do that if that's what they choose as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you again, Matt. And I guess for listeners that want to learn more about you or, or the programs you're offering, what are some ways they can do that? Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Um, the best way to go get the umbrella view is actually a, a new site that we're going to, we have worked on it's It's operational though, so you can see it. So it's Apogee, A-P-O-G-E-E, -E, Apogee Strong Programs.com. Um, and from there, you can see the, uh, the dad's program. You can see the young men's, you can see, um, you know, the home education, you can see the whole thing and you can see the foundation too. Of, um, Apogee Strong Foundation.org mm -hmm. uh, is where somebody can go to see what we're doing on the foundation side to help young heroes as well. So all those are great. I'm probably most active on Instagram, um, just under my name. Um, I'm glad to help any way I can. Yeah. And I think with, the website, you can also go see the curriculum, right? And you've got it broken down 
based on monthly, weekly. Yeah, you can go there. Yes, sir. Yeah, you can go in and, and go to, um, you know, it'll take you, you can go to just apogeestrong.com and that's the curriculum broken down for the young men. Uh, yeah, and it'll take you to the Apogee Strong Dad site if you'd want to go there too and, and kind of see what we do. So, um, and just feel, you know, people can feel free to ask any questions they have. Um, I'm glad. And even if it's not a, I'll never give a sales pitch. I'll just go, hey man, here's what we're doing. If it makes sense for you and you want to help on this mission, let's rock and roll. Yeah. Um, if it doesn't make sense or it doesn't make sense right now, all good, man. Keep leading where you are. Well, thanks, Matt. I really appreciate it. Pleasure's mine, sir. Thank you again for checking out this episode with Matt. As always, please subscribe to the podcast so you can get access to all the episodes. And please leave a review or a comment in the comment section. That's the best way to support this podcast. Until next week.